0: True Crime Podcast bonus episode An Altered Man's perspective. Now, the end of season two, we did Altered Boy. The opener for season three will be Altered Man. So I'm going to give you a little sneak peek of what you can expect in season three. I will also uh, announce a couple of really cool things. Okay. One, I have a comedy show. Woohoo! I finally... Um, put my, got my shit together and got, uh, rented the, um, a private dining space in a really nice restaurant down here in Florida and going to put on a show, uh, March 26th, Saturday night. So anybody out there that's listening, uh, if you find yourself in the Florida area and want to sort of schedule your, your arrival around that date, you will be able to see Family Jewels, Family Jewels podcast host hosting and 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 producing his own comedy show and I hope it's one of many um, I'm also really happy to announce that the one man show is being written you know you gotta I kind of look at that whole process as a house and with every page that I write that's another brick in the foundation and once the foundation is there you can start to frame the house I'm giving this reference because it's the only one that comes to mind when I think about what we did and you know in Groton, Massachusetts, when we built that house with dad, um, out of mostly stolen raw materials, <laughs> and, uh, very, very happy with the, with the progress of what I've written so far, and, uh, Casey from Sick Puppies, who has been letting me do Friday Nights, uh, and, uh, that's just been so fun, it, it is, uh, it has been very, very fun, and rewarding, and, and, it is my hope that uh, it is sharpening me. So I'm going to leave that up to you. You can let me know because there is a story at the end, a story at the end of this episode from Sick Puppies. I did it last night. And it's a story you've heard. It's about mom and the ducks. But, you know, listen to it. Listen. And I don't know if how well you remember me telling this the last time. You know, all the facts are the same. I, but I'm throwing... I, throw, I try to throw some jokes in there, here and there. And uh, the fallopian tube joke you're about to hear, I've only ever told once. And that was the word. And it brought up the time that, you know, you'll hear. You're going to hear. But I'm, you know, so happy that it is finally, things are finally starting to at least materialize in terms of a plan. He, here are the steps. This is what I have to do. You know, you can't just get on stage and say, "Hey, here's my life." But I, I will tell you that I, i everything I've done has built up to this point. You know, when I first released Family Jewels, the book, which right now I don't, I don't even, I've read some of it here. There's some of the writing that I do like in there, um, but I initially wanted to use that as a tool to um, do public speaking, to tell my story to people that that might need to hear what I have to say. And that might make them, might help them make different decisions. So I'll tell you the first year that that book was out that I self-published. I self-published it on Amazon. I'll tell you, wow, do they rape you. Amazon took eight of the $12 that I charged for my book. And right now that my book is being sold on Amazon by people I don't even know. I don't get any of the money. You know, their terms are, I think, I don't know. But I don't even care. I have this of the podcast now, and I and now I'm gonna sit down and and I have written about 15 pages. Uh, after I finish this episode today, I'm gonna sit down and look at it again and start writing that out. Um, there's no excuse for me not to have a print version of what I want to eventually do on stage because I'm gonna need it. And just so I just want you guys to know that I've always been serious about that. And season three is going to be an in-depth exploration of my soul. And it's going to be really hard for me. It already is. Like I told you I was going to take a break, but I don't know. (laughs) I got pulled back in because it's Saturday and I want to release an episode and I want to talk to you guys. So what we're going to do is talk about the altered man's perspective. Uh, And the altered man was an altered boy all the things, the shit that happened in my childhood that you'll hear in the story and you'll hear in my one-man show and have all made me what I am today. Absolutely set the stage for dad being able to come home and say, hey, boys, will you help? And us not batting an eyelash. Absolutely set the stage for, you know, I grew up, I, I missed something growing up. I missed the dad that would do a robbery without us I, you know we stole a lot of shit driving around we stole sand you know who gets arrested for sand that that was the brilliance of what we stole to build groton to build my dad's house we went to a construction site we would load his little tiny station wagon he had two station wagons and just load up the back with bricks come back he'd build something with it or or you know he had an amazing walkway like just Give the guy raw materials and he, he'll produce something. That That's my point there. But that never, it, it never in my mind would I have made the jump from that to what we ended up doing. Except to say that I think that's, that's how dad was raised growing up right, right next to Heller's Bar. Constantly seeing... The line between law and uh, order and criminality, very blurry. My dad constantly says that line was very blurry because, you know, you're talking about immigrants that came over here. It was mostly Polish and Russian in Chelsea. And um, you're watching, you know, the Bulger crew and all of these mobbed up crews. I, again I argue that Boston is more corrupt than Chicago but you, you know you can fight back if you like call in we'll make it a call in and we can argue that Chicago was but uh Chicago hasn't been around as long as Boston and the corruption there was always and it always was and is that whole Bulger crew with his brother you know if you don't know the story definitely check it out because You know, to me, when I watch that stuff, the fascinating thing isn't what Bulger did and and any of that. It's the the dichotomy between the brothers. That's what interests me. And that, you know, that's why I like Bloodline. Because, you know, I have a very interesting non-relationship with my brother that I miss a lot. I miss it a lot. I don't say that. I don't say that much. I like to pretend that, you know, my brother's a dick. And, you know that I put out this podcast and I tried to give you the facts but it's my side it's my perspective I tried to bring dad into this and let dad give you his perspective but this stuff is it's fucked up it's fucked up and 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 sometimes I don't like who I am uh, all the time there aren't many the only times I like myself that I can truly say that there's peace inside of me is when you hear the people laughing on that, when I'm on that stage, I step on that stage and any nervousness that should have come with me that, that I don't know what other comedians experience, but yeah, when you do it a lot and I don't do it a lot, you know, once a week, twice a week, um, getting up for five minutes here and there, it's going to take a long time. I'm not getting half hours at a time, but it's just being up there and saying, Hey, you know, come on in, instead of getting up and being like, hey, listen to me, and I think that's why when I went to 16 schools my first year that the book was out, the kids responded to me, the the I had health classes, 16 of them called me that first year, I was doing it like every other week, and they'd want me for a couple of days, there was a charter school out in Shirley, so I'd have to drive out to Shirley again, down Route 2, my same route, the same place the same way they brought me into the prison, drive right by the prison, the The charter school is not far from where I did time. And I would do three straight days there talking to the kids. And I loved it. Went up to Manchester. So I do have a picture somewhere on my Facebook. Brian Sobolewski, Facebook, yada, yada on there, and like me, I'd like to get some more. You know, it would be nice if if I could get some more. You know, get my friends up. My friends are pitiful. I think I got three. I have a, a Instagram for my business partner's dog, Boston the Have at Instagram, Boston the Have, uh, and he's got more friends than me. A fucking dog has more friends than me. It's a dog. I get it, but it's it's it still hurts. And see, there you go. I was talking about something serious about me, and I went right to humor. the altered The altered man's perspective is that um, I'm really only truly happy on that stage, or on the stage of um, exercise. Today, I could I could stand and argue with, and potentially embarrass a lot of professionals that. Are way more degreed than I am, and 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 way and it's that just comes with experience. Listen, if you're a trainer and you reach fifty-two and you still got your head up your ass, you still don't know your ass from your elbow, internal rotation, external rotation, just quit, please, please, just help me do my job. My job is made better by you going away because you just learn it. But. Those are the only two realms that I can ever tell you that I feel peace, I feel control, I feel powerful anywhere else. I'm usually by myself. I'm usually alone. And I have I have gotten gotten more reclusive the older that I get. And that is what we will explore in depth, we will explore in depth Determinism and the type of therapy that I went through. We'll explore in depth the things that I really had to focus on to really change. It's so amazing to me that you know the crux of my therapy was: if we don't understand your belief about you, then we can never change it. Beliefs um, control behavior. What you believe, you you will act like. I believe in God. I got to go to church. I got to do what God says. So if I'm going to change behavior, I have to tap into somebody's belief system. And that includes how they, what they believe about themselves. And I had to explore a lot of that. And, and also what they believe about other people. And um, my therapist would, would say, to the extent that you believe in lies, you will struggle. And that is one of the tenets we will dig into very deeply in Season 3. But let's let's get uh, a little lighter and talk about the our topics today. And the reason I, I want to talk about these things is because it's a very interesting time now. You just had the parents of that school shooter charged with manslaughter. And this is a very interesting case. And another... Uh, part of season three that we'll delve into is I'm going to delve into a lot of these cases and and the thread that I want to explore the, the, the perspective I want to bring to you is how absolutely nuts prosecutors are getting in charging people now do I believe that the parents should be charged absolutely I'm sure that there are multiple I think it's Minnesota Minnesota's gun laws that were violated when this child got his father's gun and, and as the details come out, um, you know, how do I feel about the parents charge, being charged? Bravo if you can make a connection to manslaughter. And there are very specific, you know, bullet points to that law in Minnesota, whatever the Minnesotans feel is right to determine manslaughter in that case. But it's interesting. You know, I'm more interested in talking to you guys about the Scott Peterson case. I just saw an amazing documentary on the Scott Peterson case. I want to go over that. Um, You know, the Menendez brothers, no. It's just that whole story. I don't like it. And I don't know that there's anything like they did it. They did it. Nobody, you know, so they're sitting where they're supposed to sit. Do I want to know the whole backstory? No, I don't care. I don't have any sympathy for them. And I watched, I watched most of the documentary, listened to the kid and look, I, I, I have, I just don't like the story. Let's leave it there. But, but there are some cases out there that should shock the shit out of you. That should make you, that should make you worry because there are the Scott Peter, that Scott Peterson case could have been any one of us. Any one of us could have been in that situation. And he sat. He is sitting on death row. And shouldn't be, in my opinion. It's very interesting to see what's going to happen in the next couple of months because the uh, the appeal. They are going to rule on his appeal, and it, it wouldn't surprise me if he got at least another trial. And I would be I would be saddened to to see that he wouldn't get another trial when you see some of the evidence that they. That, they, that they, And it was right after OJ, and and it's terrible. So another sort of sneak peek of what season three will be, and then season four and beyond will be, uh, I don't know. You know, it's a, this is just going to end up being a podcast about me rambling. I hope you guys understand that, right? <laughs> At some point, you're just going to tune in on Saturday. I'm going to be like, all right, well, here's the deal with canned olives. You know? <laughs> I don't know why canned olives. Today, I want to talk to you about the things as a kid, the societal, there was a societal belief or perspective about these things when I was a kid that has either completely gone, it's over, nobody thinks that way about these things anymore, or the the perspective has changed from uh, drastically, it has gone from one to the other. And the three things that I want to talk about, the four things is leather, drugs, I feel like a game show host. Tattoos and long hair. Let's just start with with long hair. Okay? When I was a kid, if you had long hair, you were a freak. Hands down. Long-haired freak. You were a hippie. Um, and it was so much because it was it had so much to do with the fact that um, your parents they wouldn't hire you with long hair. You would not get a job. I'd like to work at your, you know, pumping gas here. Uh, no, you have long hair. No, <laughs> you're not working here. So, I think that that attitude is what gives gives rise to things like the mullet. Well, I want long hair, but I still want to work pumping gas. It, it, I feel like the mullet was a compromise. It was a compromise between, um, I really want to look and have very long, lustrous hair, but I still want to have, you know, f- straight on, I want you to think I'm in the military until I turn my head. And I had a mullet. Yes, ladies and gentlemen. Oh my, I- you know, when you look at some of the pictures, I'll, let's see, I might do, I might do a montage of stuff and put it on the Facebook site. Or Instagram, Family Jewels Instagram. Family Jewels Podcast Instagram. My hair was always crazy. And and I usually kept it really, really short. Especially ever since I was arrested and had to shave my head and keep it shaved. Which got me out of being charged for the Littleton job. Um, being number five in, in that lineup. And I've always kept it short. My hair, I have four cowlicks on my head. It's very difficult to keep long. But lately, I'm just letting it grow. And it just brings to mind the, 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 how that perspective has changed. Nobody gives a shit. It's almost like baldness, right? When I was a kid, my dad went bald. He, You know, that was back in the day when the guys tried to keep whatever hair they had. So, my dad had a ring from ear all the way to the other ear and nothing on top of his head. It happened very, very young. Younger pictures of him, you see the process. My brother, same. All his hair fell out. But, you know, back then they kept it and it made it look worse. You know, very few people shaved their head back then. And bald was just ugly. And billions and billions and billions of dollars were made on anything that could promise to grow hair. Nowadays, just be bald. Nobody gives a fuck. No, nobody's judged by that. I don't know how many women are out there like, well, he just has to have hair. That, but that was a thing. That was a thing when I was a kid. I'm I'm having a very difficult time with the tattoo thing. It's starting to creep into porn, and I don't like it. I'm sorry. The tattoos. When I was a kid, if you had a tattoo that was visible, you were you were a bag of shit. You were a bag of shit. Watch Officer and a Gentleman with Richard Gere and Deborah Winger, and there's a whole scene in that where he's uh, on his first day of military, and he covered. His tattoo with a bandage. Why? Because back then, if you had one, you were a piece of shit. You were judged, and you were kept out of a lot of stuff. You had to hang out with other tattooed people. I don't get it, man. I don't. It, it's not sexy to me. When I was a kid, you'd have to go to the gym and bust your ass to get muscles if anybody was going to have sex with you. And now all you need is a sleeve. Go in and go through the pain of a sleeve. The pain of a sleeve isn't the same as the pain on the leg press. <laughs> Although I hate leg press, my point is still made. I, I and, and I mean, Post Malone, dude, what's up? At the very least, sell some of that space for ads. You that should be Coke written across your head. You should be getting a check for that. you fucking weirdo. I still, but I still have that belief. I look at tattooed people; it's a turnoff to me. Why? And it's not so many chicks dig it and and I think it comes from you know there was a it was a taboo I don't get it. and it's I have a tattoo I have a tattoo of a wolf howling there was a moon in it but and you've seen this tattoo it's, it's a pretty I don't know popular but it's out there it's a moon with its head up and, and there's I had my version has tribal stuff around it and it's just the gayest thing ever and but i th- there was meaning to it you know my mother put and my mother has a diary and and she wrote in it the last couple months of her life and she wanted everybody she wanted to write down everything she thought about everybody you know nice stuff no not the real stuff i wish she wrote the the what she really wanted to say she did to us and it's it's a beaut. it was beautiful and incredibly painful to read but In it, she said, her and I always dreamed of seeing bald eagles and wolves in their natural habitat, going to their home and watching what they do and, you know, just saying, hey, you know, just want to see you. I don't want to see them in captivity. And I grew up in Massachusetts. There was a pride or whatever you call them in Ipswich, Massachusetts. But I didn't want to see them in captivity. I want to see them in their natural habitat. And mom wrote in the diary, very sorry, that that's one of the things that I never got to do before I was diagnosed and died. And, you know... So I put a tattoo on my ankle to remind me to do that. To date, haven't done it. It's possible a eagle flew over me the six years that I lived in Colorado. Likely that it did, but I didn't see it. My mom got tattoos and my sister got tattoos. My poor mom, is so funny. It, is, it was clear my mom got two tattoos. And one was a bird, I think, on her shoulder. And it was clear the kid had just, he was on chapter one of the tattoo book. This bird was a circle, a cylinder, and two triangles on each side with two sticks coming out. I swear to God, I swear to God, it looked like a stick figure of a bird, and my mom loved it. Going, yeah, that's what you get a tattoo for. You love it, more power to you. Now the leather thing I'm saving for the end because it's 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 very interesting and ties into the topic of school shootings. How? When I was a kid, there was one leather shop on Washington Street in Peabody. Little tiny hole in the wall right next to a barber shop. Guy, you walked in and it just smelled like raw hide. And Peabody was a tanner city. We we produced leather. So, but the problem was if you had a leather jacket and you didn't have a motorcycle, you were a piece of shit. If you had a leather jacket and you had a motorcycle, you were a double piece of shit. You were, you were a druggie, you were a hippie, you know, all the stereotypical things that come along with it. Now, this is back in the day when if you got a leather jacket, that thing was stiff for three years. I am not kidding you. That thing, you, we used to have this ritual when, uh, it, if you want to call it a street gang, you can, but the Bridgies and I've mentioned it before, go back. You got to go back and listen to this stuff, guys. I'm not going to repeat it. <laughs> But the bridges where we were on Hancock Street, the dead end street that led into Welch School, we used to deal drugs on because it had multiple escape routes. But when you showed up there in your new leather jacket, the ritual was they kicked the shit out of you to break it in. Literally, they Freddie would grab a stick, you know, like a yardstick and beat the leather with it. And didn't you know, the reason bikers like leather, I don't know if you knew this. But I just learned this, just figured it out myself. Is if you're following the bike and you're on leather, you're probably going to be okay. That's why, even if on a Vesper, if I see someone in Florida down here, the driving is absolutely insane. And when I see somebody on a little moped screwing down the road, you're done, man, in a short sleeve shirt, and no helmet. Do you have any, at any speed, that concrete is going to rip your skin to shit. But have some leather on, and guess what? Gonna do okay, I think. and and it was that type of leather that probably saved a lot of lives man on, on bikes but it took years and i wanted nothing more than a leather jacket for christmas my 13th uh thir- the christmas i was 13 years old i was just going into middle school and you know i wanted to let people know that this is what this is who i relate to i related to the druggies Everything that you thought about me, I may as well have had. Long hair, leather jacket, and tattoos all over me. Because that's the people I hung out with. Those were my peeps. Never did I want a tattoo. I had long hair back in high school and just let it go crazy. Um, I don't know. Because I thought I could have... I, I always thought my hair look would look like Hev's. Long, flaxen, straight, feathery. But his is no more. I still have mine. That's why I'm growing mine out. Every once in a while, I send Dad and Kev a receipt for my hair product <laughs> just to let them know. Yeah, I'm still sprouting them, guys. But leather, I wanted it so bad. And the smallest size, I it was. it was two sizes too big for me. The smallest size a leather jacket came in. They didn't make female leather back then. And if they do, it was sparse. I probably would have fit nice on one of those. And mom was like, "You're out of your fucking mind," because she knew she grew up in a stricter, tighter belief of what what wearing leather jackets, having a tattoo, and having long hair. My dad has never ever ever had a leather product a leather product in his life, and that includes shoes, because that dude would never pay any money for leather shoes. And what you you have now for shoes is mostly plastic and rubber. You ain't getting any leather. My point is, is that Christmas. My mom came out of her room and wrapped in plastic on a hanger was my very first leather jacket. And I was elated. It was perfect. It had a very small slit, zipper, pocket, breast pocket, zipper on both sides. It had, um, then there were zippers down the forearm, the sleeve part of the forearm, so you could make it tighter if you wanted to while you were riding so wind didn't go up there. You could unzip them if you wanted to look cool looked like a bathrobe on me, but I loved it. I slept in it to try to break it in. I got the shit kicked out of me in it because my friends were helping me break it in. You don't know how good my friends were. See? If I asked my friends to kick the shit out of me right now because I got a new jacket, none of you would. That, <laughs> I miss that. And I love this thing. It stank up every room I brought it into. Some teachers let me made me leave it in my locker. I wore it everywhere. I wore it everywhere. Didn't fit in it. I have to wear two sweatshirts just to get it to fit snug. Now. Deerskin Trading Post. I'm shouting out. Deerskin Trading Post. I don't think it's still there. I doubt it's still there. But this little clover leaf from 128, Route 128, and route 114 and inside the clover leaf inside the little circle that you go around before you get on 128 from 114 was a leather store deerskin trading post you know this was the kind of thing that back in the day route one and route 114 these were the only roads up and down and you could tell you know at one point the horse drunk carriages occupied most of the the space but i went into this place. Because it was the only place I knew that had trench leather coats. And I wanted one. This, this, I don't know when the movie was released, but River Phoenix was in it. And River Phoenix was the older brother to Joaquin Phoenix. To give you some perspective. And he died of a massive uh, drug overdose right outside of, um, shit, 21 Jump Street. What the hell? I see, I can't remember the guy. Johnny Depp's club dead massive heart attack or something so river phoenix was in a movie where this 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 shit was unheard of when i was a kid unheard of but these kid this kid had a fantasy pretty sure it was a fantasy or a dream where him and his friends all donned black leather trench coats they called themselves the trench coat mafia and they went and they shot up a school and there was a ton of controversy about this movie. I don't remember what the movie's called and I'm not looking it up. Go look it up yourself. <laughs> Season three, I get meaner. I'm kidding. Uh, but I had my coat before that. When I I walked into sophomore year of Fenwick and it was a statement. It was a statement from the old leather jacket. It was a statement that this was the first year that I'm going to be in this school without Kev. So this is me. I covered more of me. I hated me that much that I just wanted to blend into the background. I wore leather to disappear, not to be called out as a thug. And it had a lot of pockets. And I had a lot of drugs to fill with. So I bought that trench coat and I loved that thing. And as I started to grow, I didn't, I'm not going to say bigger. (laughs) Because the never been bigger. But as I started to grow, the... Old leather jacket fit very tight on me and I could wear it underneath the trench coat one and I was very toasty. It was a very nice combination. And leather was nice because, you know, you don't got to worry about it in the the rain. Um, But I'm talking about this and I'm bringing this up because it's relevant. Back when we were kids, we didn't worry about somebody walking into school and shooting anyone. The breakfast club... One of the kids in the breakfast club, uh, what's his name? The nerd kid. He was in school because he brought a flare gun to class. This is how weak these kids feel. I know through my own therapy that um, most of my life, and even now I have to be on the lookout for times that my I am acting emotionally like a scared little boy. And that's just men in general. I'm going to kick your ass, is a scared little boy who now has some power and now can wield it. And he's going to let you know that that scared little boy isn't going to be hurt anymore. But he, I'm sorry, by the time he's screaming at you in traffic, the, the damage has been done. He ain't mad at you. He's just mad. And and that, that will be, we'll explore that in great detail in, in season three. But it, it it's... Very interesting to see now, you know, if leather sort of started to change, and I don't think people appreciate the contribution that Knight Rider had to society in many ways, but one of them was wet leather. Michael Knight wore a wet leather jacket. (laughs) I don't know, this is when I think they probably decided that if they stick it in formaldehyde, you can get it to soften quicker. And it was this look that it was shiny. It almost looked like satin, Um, but that was okay. So that type of leather, you, you could determine, you know, if you saw a regular leather jacket that a biker would wear and Michael Knight in his wet leather jacket, it is, you know, it's clear the difference. And it was a softer look that said okay i want to wear leather but i'm not i don't want to hurt you i don't (laughs) you know what i mean like you see this change and now does anyone even wear leather anymore i don't i can't i don't know yeah i guess they do and i get it i mean leather is you know with the way at the rate we're killing cows yeah we should all be wearing leather and the last thing that we're going to talk about is you know the the ever changing perspective of drugs. So when I, there are still people sitting in prison right now for drug offenses during the war on drugs, you got hit with fifteen years because everybody got hit. that was a minimum sentencing guideline depending on amount. and the amounts were the the catastrophic failure of the drug war was that a lot of judges quit because they couldn't make the determination of, hey, this kid was just a mule. Uh, You know, he didn't pose a serious threat. He was never violent. Sorry, war on drugs changed and made stricter drug guidelines. And you got whacked with 15 years, man. Acasio got 15 years. Now, does Acasio for an ounce of, of, uh, for a kilo of coke? I think he got caught for two kilos and a bunch of steroids. And I'm sure they were watching him for a very long time, had him on a bunch of other stuff. But I mean, in the grand scheme of things, It wasn't like, I don't know. It wasn't like he was forcing anybody to buy his product. Like Chris Rock says, there's not a single person in the world, the drug dealer in the world saying, well, how am I going to get rid of all these drugs? They sell themselves. People want them. People want them. And now you're starting to see, especially with marijuana, the, the hypocrisy of it all is that alcohol has always been there. It's always been part of our culture and it, it. Statistically destroys more of society than any of the drugs combined. Is it because it's legal and so prevalent? Maybe, but at the same time, you can't say, you can't have Budweiser commercials on a football game and then say no to drugs in the next commercial because alcohol is a drug. Th- this was always the argument with, you know, when you were an addiction counselor and when you would deal, I'm going to go to NA because I only did drugs. Dude, you, you, I don't care if you were addicted to Oreos. You have an addictive personality that has impaired your functioning. So you, all, everyone should be in the same room, regardless of what the hell you're talking. When we start saying you're a heroin addict, I gotta treat you this way, and you're a drug, is wrong. I think it's wrong. In the attitude about drugs when I was a kid, um, you know, marijuana, you were a piece of fucking shit. I didn't think that way because my mom smoked it. I stole weed from my mom. My mom got the best fucking weed. When I grew plants one summer, I my room was so deplorable in my house. That's how I got back at my mother. They wanted it clean. Fuck you. I had a cat. My sister brought home a cat from her scumbag boyfriend that lived in my crawl space, was afraid of people. He would come out at night and shit underneath my desk and go back into the crawl space. That's all that cat did. I didn't clean up the shit. I let it dry out, sink into the rug, and I'd vacuum it. Whenever I got the vacuum up, there to do anything? So one time I was rolling a joint, and a seed fell out of the, the joint or fell off my bureau that I was rolling and fell into something wet. Yeah, that's fucking gross. Why Why do I know it fell into something wet? Because it sprouted. <laughs> It was fed and the thing sprouted. So I pick up this little sprout off the ground and I was like, shit. So I went outside. I got a big fish bowl. I had this huge fishbowl. I don't know why. I don't know where it came from. I liked it. It was cool. I filled it with dirt and I threw the, the thing in there and I threw a couple other seeds in there. And guess what? Boop, boop, boop. I was the giver of life. And I brought them out in, so they could be in the sun all day and I brought them in at night because uh, it was later in the season and it was getting cooler and mom knew what I was doing. She never said, don't do it. She might have known that, you know, it's very difficult to grow and cultivate a plant. And back then, um, I didn't know there was a difference for male and female plants. Um, to, uh, so I make the point that i have my house and the attitude about drugs and the mixed message that I always received was don't do drugs. Now I'm going to my room to do drugs. <laughs> that's my mother, man. My mother would, I would get grounded for having weed and then smell weed coming out of a room. Well, that's not, no, I don't think that works. So how many of you out there as parents find yourself yelling at your kid for something you got caught for a thousand times? I don't know what the answer is to that. I don't know that you don't yell at them for that and say, hey, I did that too. I fucked up. But I mean, at least try to put yourself back into your shoes and see what an idiot you were back then. And don't yell at your kid for doing it. <laughs> but now, you know, now there's dispensaries and Florida's never going to be legal because, you know, it's it just becomes such a state issue and it's wound up in such a... You know, and it, and it turns out I think the Democrats are the one that are holding back on federalizing the legality of this. So we're going to make... Make weed federally legal. So I can go to federal weed stores and state weed stores. But, you know, I don't understand anybody's argument against the added tax revenue, except to understand this from the perspective of if this becomes legal, this changes the court system. You ain't going to see people caught. Now, I don't know how many people are getting in front of a judge now for possession. I mean, does that even happen anymore? Does a cop even arrest you for having weed? Because I'll tell you what, even if you had a baggie in your pocket, they'd send that shit to the lab. They found THC on it. You you were arrested. I got caught with a roach once, arrested with a little tiny roach. There was barely any weed in it. They tested it. They charged me. Now, I don't even know. I don't even know. I mean, I walked around now and in public and smell vapes, weed all the time. I walked on the fourth floor of the Wyndham Hotel to get to my studio here. It's, it smells like weed all day. You're going to come and arrest those people? No. Back then? Yeah. There'd be a SWAT team in the Wyndham right now <laughs> coming through, coming out of the rafter. Oh, my God, he's got weed. Everybody on the floor for weed. It's a different perspective. It, it, it has been an ever-changing attitude towards the following things that i just mentioned um so that's 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 my bonus episode and those are my topics and that is that is the altered man's perspective on uh on some things and uh, i will be back with with uh the opener of season three maybe this week maybe next week maybe the week after um, i'm just trying to put it together and trying to formulate a a a formula for the season so that i we i don't have as many episodes of me just rambling but guys you know it's just heading towards me rambling my face off yeah season four is probably just going to be what i think about things i'll do an episode on cats i could ramble for 45 minutes on that everyone here at this point should know that enjoy the story guys from sick puppies i am still working on the one-man show maybe i'll read a little bit of it to you uh in the season opener Altered Man of season three, but this was uh, Altered Man's perspective bonus episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Have a great day. I don't know what that was. I don't like touching you. Well, you were in prison. So, uh... uh I don't need you. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be a bad Monday. Bad so what I want is for you guys to throw out throw out some words here. For fallopian me. tubes. Fallopian tubes. <laughs> nobody else shouted. Nobody else shouted anything else out. <laughs> this, this show is now based off of fallopian
1: tubes. <laughs> <laughs> and so we Auto
0: Nation. I was gonna say Boston. Woo! <laughs> 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 Yeah, you heard it from a mile away. I'm all sacked. A mile away. I've got fallopian tubes. <laughs> hey, dude, you've got fallopian tubes? i got it. Oh, no, you have fallopian tubes? No, they were taken out. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, dude. My no. dad had them taken out. <laughs> so before I went to prison, I... Um... <laughs> it's like She she's... Like, this, dude, this dude went to prison. Before I went to prison, I... Um... <laughs> I went to a water park because I wanted to have as much fun as I could. And why does a water park remind me of a fallopian tube? Because I was on stage once and a girl got up and she she talked about her pregnancy and she talked about a fallopian tube and I didn't know what it was. I thought it was a ride in a (laughs) water (laughs) park. So I looked it up. It should be arrived. <laughs> right. I've never seen this it like <laughs> 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 And what a fallopian tube reminds me of the most is I'd love to tell you a story about prison, but I'm not going <laughs> oh. to. What, what the fallopian tube reminds me the most of is ducks. Hi, Hi. (laughs) I feel like we're, I'm just talking to you, so um, (laughs) I I have a special affinity in my heart for ducks because they are the most misogynistic race of birds you have ever met in your life.
1: What (laughs) are you
0: doing later? No, if you've never seen ducks, my mother loved them my mother we grew up in a, in a uh, city and my mother couldn't have farm animals although we had 19 cats three dogs two birds a tarantula and a scorpion at one point but we couldn't have livestock and as soon as my mom bought a house outside of the city in new hampshire happening new hampshire she bought ducks. dogs those of you who don't know about ducks uh, they, they're herd animals they're herd birds. and the interesting thing for me about ducks is um do you remember all this? <laughs> <laughs> The thing about ducks with me is because the term sitting duck comes from the fact that a mother duck sitting on its eggs will never leave it. That's its only defense. So I'm not going anywhere. No. What? You <laughs> <laughs> <He> said no. <laughs> Guy, oh yeah. Okay, meaning I'm incorrect. You're not mean, going on. Meaning, <laughs> no, meaning you were reading about ducks earlier. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so a sitting duck is a mother duck that won't leave the nest. And we had a fox in the river. And this fox was systematically taking every female duck we had because once one female goes down, the next female sits up. and was like, I ain't going anywhere. But the fox had already my mother got so pissed at this fox that she would wake up at night and shine lights down on where the nest was and pound on the window whenever she saw the fox coming. Like, that was gonna deter the fox from taking a, taking a duck that night. So my mother <coughs> stepped up her game. My mother went nuclear called a hunter. I pulled in and there was a white panel van in the, in the driveway. And nothing positive ever happens in the back of a white panel van. <laughs> There's this guy in full guard, This is every New Hampshire. There's one Dunkin' Donuts. There's no reason for him to be in full camouflage, but he said to us, and I quote, "I can't put traps out because there are kids in the neighborhood." <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't hide his disappointment. <laughs> he really wanted to set traps for this thing, but he said, "This, listen, I can't trap it, but I can give you a solution." I said, "Okay." My mother said, okay. He sets down a quarter stick of dynamite on the counter. He says, you know what? If you just walk in that direction toward the woods, you'll find his hole. See, I couldn't do the math right away. His intention was that I light the stick of dynamite and throw it in his hole. That was his plan. So, as he was ushered out the door by me, I'm laughing to myself. I turn around and my mother has a lighter and the fucking stick of dynamite. And she says, Get to work. I'm like, What are you out of your mind? I'm going to go out there. I'm going to toss this thing there. And the fox is laying on the gas line to the city. Like, I'm going to light fucking Epic up. I had no choice when my mother made up her mind. She made up her mind. So, I'm walking out in the woods like this lighter? dynamite because I knew at some point I would trip, <laughs> light the thing, and blow my dick off. Like, that's, that's how I saw this going down. I'm walking towards <laughs> the death of this poor animal, thinking to myself, I can't do it, but mom is expecting an explosion. So I lit the thing and I just threw it off to the side. I go back and my mother's sitting in a swing, sipping coffee and smoking a cigarette, like I remember her. And she says, um, couldn't do it, could you? No, I couldn't. She's like, Good, I'm glad. I'll build a house for the ducks. And that's my second. Ah be very, very quiet. (laughs) Okay. I'm hunting.